This podcast was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit lifelanks.org. Good morning. Good to see you today. I don't know about you, but I'm mindful this morning of just all the incredible people who serve in the life of our community, um, you know, to make our gatherings happen, who reach out in different ways. And I'm just, I'm humbled when I see people just pouring themselves out for others. And I just, I'd love it if we could give a round of applause to everybody who serves in the life of our community. So good. So good. Well, today we are um, exploring the second part of our series, Family on Mission. And uh, this is our four-week series, leads us up to Easter. And it's our series because it's our theme for the year. And it's our theme that we're going to explore for the year because it's the way that we're articulating our purpose as a community in this next chapter of the 100-year story of our church as you would have heard last week, Life Church is a family on mission. It's a family on mission. It's a place where you can find a deep sense of belonging, where you can discover your ultimate purpose, which is the mission to, become, to welcome people home to God, to raise fully devoted followers of Jesus and to bring transformation to our neighbours, our nation, and the nations. And so throughout this four-week series, we're going to be looking at some, some words of Scripture that encapsulate this idea of a family on mission. And they're found in 1 Peter 2, verse 9. He writes, But you are a chosen people. So you're included You're part of the family, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Just drink that in this morning. You're valued. You matter. You belong. But not just for your benefit. This isn't a family that sits around with their feet up, feeling really pleased that we're part of the family. This is a family that has a mission. This is a family that has a calling. This is a family that has a purpose. You see, the priesthood, we've just read, haven't we, the the royal priesthood, the priesthood had a responsibility. It says that we're a holy nation. The nation had a purpose. And our responsibility, our, our purpose, this family has a mission to welcome people home to God raise fully devoted followers of Jesus, and bring transformation to our neighbours, our nation, and the nations. This verse articulates it like this, so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of his darkness into his wonderful light. That as we declare the goodness of God in our lives, in the words that we speak, and the way that we live, in our actions, our thoughts, our deeds, that we would see people come home to God to become fully devoted followers. And we'd see our neighbours and our nation and the nations changed as his kingdom comes here on earth as it is in heaven. We're a family on mission. And I think there's something wonderfully significant for us 
today, when, when we think about the words, these words that were written, when we consider who they were written by and who they were written to and, and what was going on in the lives of those who, the, Peter, who, who wrote them and, and those who received them. And I want us to consider that for a few moments because I think there's something for us to take hold of today. So, so Peter, who is, who's behind this letter, Peter is, is the Peter of the disciples who was is known as, first known as Simon. And he has this, uh, this life-transforming moment with Jesus. Well, he has quite a few. There's this one life-transforming moment with Jesus where Jesus turns to him and asks him the profoundly significant question that we all have to answer. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that Jesus is? And Peter turns to him and says, make sure I get it right, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You're the Messiah, you're the saviour that we've been waiting for. You're the one that we've been longing for, the one who's going to come and set the people free. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus turns to him in these famous words in Matthew 16, verse 17. It says, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. So it's in this moment that he goes from Simon to Peter, and Peter means rock. And he says, and on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, it says in the footnotes, or the realm of the dead, will not stand against it. He says the gates of Hades, the realm of the dead, will not stand against it. That the church that is built on who Jesus is, the way, the truth, and the life, the one who overcame death, nothing will stand against Jesus as he builds his church. And those are the words that Peter hears as he gives this um, this recognition, this declaration of who Jesus is. These, the words that we're considering in this series are written by a man whose identity is securely rooted in who Jesus is and who has this confidence, this deep conviction about who Jesus is and his authority to build the church. That's the church that we're part of 2,000 years later. And then they're written to... Gentile believers, so non-Jews who had converted to Christianity. And it was a, this letter was a circular letter. It was written by Peter from Rome in the heart of the empire. And then it was, it was distributed. It was sent between uh, different Christian communities that were scattered across Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. So they weren't kind of like right at the heart of where things were. They were scattered, maybe feeling a bit disconnected, maybe feeling a bit disassociated. And it was written to those scattered Christian communities to encourage them in their suffering, to encourage them in their suffering because they were subject to harassment and hostility by their Roman neighbours. So it's to these Christian communities who are scattered across this nation, who are suffering, who are experiencing harassment and hostility, that Peter, who understands who Jesus is, who has a conviction about Jesus' authority to build his church, says, you are a chosen people. 
You are a holy nation. You are God's special possession. He's the one who called you out of darkness into his glorious light. Can you imagine the comfort and the strength that must have come from those words? Can you imagine it must have been like bar, like a balm for the soul? You know, I think for us today, if we find ourselves at times feeling disconnected or disassociated, feeling like we're in the midst of trial, I want us to take hold of those words with conviction. To take hold of those words, you are a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You belong to God. You see, earlier in this chapter, we're going to have a look at 1 Peter 2, verse 4 and 5. It says this. It says, and as you come to him, this is Jesus, Peter describes him as the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house, or the footnotes say, or, or a, a, a temple of the spirit, to be a holy priesthood. We've heard that before, haven't we? Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. See, I hear Peter, who understood who Jesus was, who had a conviction about the authority of Jesus to build his church, that nothing can stand against it. He says, there is a God who understands your suffering. As you come to Jesus, the one who is like the living stone, who was rejected by humans, who understands suffering, who understands pain. He's building you into like a spiritual house. He's building you into a temple of the Spirit. And see, this is revolutionary for those hearing it the first time. He's saying no longer is the center of this faith a temple in Jerusalem. No longer is it a building. It's no longer contained in a building, not even a church building. But he says, you, you're like the temple of the Spirit. You're like the house of the Spirit. You're the building. You're the church. You're like these living stones walking around East Lancashire today. He says, you're the house. You're the home. You are living stones. So for us today, as we, as we live our lives for God, scattered across this region in our everyday lives, perhaps sometimes feeling a bit disconnected, perhaps in your place of work, feeling a little bit alone in trying to follow Jesus, perhaps sometimes feeling like we're in the midst of a trial, we can find comfort and strength in the knowledge in these words that, that we're like stones, we're like the living stones that together make up the church, that we're the family on mission. And we can do that with great confidence because we can hear like Peter did the words of Jesus when he says, I will build my church. I will build my church and not even the gates of Hades, not even death will stand against it. And so we can, we can live like living stones 
Because it's no longer the center, it's no longer a building that is the center. But it's like we become the building and we're spread out across the region, living for Jesus as a family on mission. You know, we've got living stones in the community groceries. We've got living stones going into people's homes through the work of CAP and through the work of Safe Families. We've got living stones walking into high schools and primary schools doing assemblies and lunch clubs. Where you work, where on your street, in your community, we're like living stones, the family on mission. So let us live with a confidence because Jesus will build his church. He said it thousands of years ago. He's been doing it ever since. Let us live with an awareness that we're part of God's family. If you have always had that mindset that this means everyone else, but I'm somehow on the edge, you are part of God's family. Let us live purposefully because we understand that we are now the living stones, that we are like the house of God, that we are this family on mission. We're like the home the house of God, wherever we are. You know, it's true, isn't it, that every home runs on a set of values, that every home operates on a set of values, whether they are spoken or not, whether they are conscious or not. I remember for me, when I was growing up, some of the things that were commonplace were phrases like, put another jumper on. Anyone else? Such was the generation. We need to keep it going. I remember sometimes being sat in my bedroom, quietly beavering away on my schoolwork, and my dad would walk past and turn the light off, assuming that I had left the room and left the light on, and there I am, sat in the dark. Did that happen to anyone else? A couple, a couple. Okay, how about this one? When the phone bill came through the post. Now, for those of you who are a certain generation, this is a landline phone bill. And in our, in our house, by request, it was fully itemized. So it was able, whoever opened it, was able to see exactly which phone number had been called on which day at which time. And so I would try and make myself scarce because the highlighter would come out. And a full-blown investigation would ensue to work out which one of me and my brothers had used the phone for 58 minutes and 24 seconds to speak to one of our friends who we'd spent the whole day with at school. Anyone else? Okay, I thought I'd be alone. I feel better. I am not alone. You know, Every home runs on a set of values. And now I can look back with more mature eyes and recognize that's because my home ran on a value of good stewardship, of making the best of the resources that God has entrusted to us. I can now appreciate and value that, not so much at the time. But every home runs on a set of values, doesn't it? And just in these next few moments, I'd love to share with you the new way that we're articulating the values of our home in the next chapter in the 100-year story of our church community. 
And so as with our updated purpose statement that we shared last, um, last week, you will, you will hear some familiar phrases in our updated values. And um, many of the previous values are reflected going forward. Um, and my hope, our hope is that when you hear these, you'll be like, oh yeah, I see that. Because otherwise, if, if values are just something written down on a piece of paper, but they're not actually in reality, then they're not values. They're just some nice words on a piece of paper. And so our hope is that you will see these, you'll recognize these in the life of our community. So here are our values. And with each value, we include something we believe in this area and how you will see it outworked in the life of our community. So first of all, discipleship. So full devotion to Jesus is the goal. That's what we're working towards for the rest of our days. And so together we seek to encounter God, be transformed into his likeness, and equipped to live for him. Secondly, scripture. The Bible tells the story of God and humanity, which centers on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and culminates with the renewal of all things. And so we study scripture to discover Jesus and our part in his plan for creation. Thirdly, people. People are our priority. And so our welcome is warm. We make room for all ages, build a culture of care, and actively serve those in need in our community and beyond. Number four. Leadership. Servant leadership is the only kind of leadership. And so we support and develop people to lead the Jesus way in their families, work, communities, and the church. Number five. We're halfway through. We've got eight. Just so you know for when I test you afterwards, okay? (laughs) Number five, partnership. The mission is too big for any one person or organization to achieve. And so we partner with God, each other, and other organizations to see his kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Number six, participation. We all have a part to play. And so we invite everyone to contribute generously through serving, financial giving, missional opportunities, and ministering to others. The seven, contemporary. The good news about Jesus remains unchanged after centuries. Whilst the methods of sharing that good news have adapted over time. And so we are committed to a contemporary style in order to reach people today. And then finally, excellence. Excellence honors God and inspires people. And so we do the best that we can with what we have in what we do and the way we do it. It's bordering on a tongue twister there. Excellence honors God and inspires people. And so we do the best that we can with what we have in what we do and the way we do it. So that, those are the things that we value as a family. Those are the, the values on which this home runs as we go into this next season. And when we, when we talk about welcoming people home to God, which is part of our purpose statement, when we talk about welcoming people home to God, we're talking in one sense about this home, 
about the Life Church family. But we're talking in a much, much bigger sense about welcoming people into the arms of the God who is like a father who stands with his arms open wide, ready to embrace. And also into the, the worldwide family of God that we call the global church. And so I want us just to consider for a few moments what it means to, um, to welcome people home to God. And over the next few weeks, next week, we're going to think about raising fully devoted followers of Jesus. And the week after, about bringing transformation to our neighbors, our nation, and the nations. Because in one sense, welcoming people home to God is like the whole story of Scripture. It's like the whole narrative that runs through all of Scripture. You see, Scripture begins, scripture begins with humanity leaving home. And then ends with this joyful reunion. That's like the beginning and the end of the story. The picture in the opening chapters of Genesis 1 is of harmony between God and humanity. Humanity enjoying relationship with God in this garden paradise. All as it was meant to be. It's home. But then humanity rejects God. And there's this tragic fracture of relationship that the Bible calls sin. And so created order begins to unravel. And sin opens the door for death, which is like an unwelcome visitor in God's good world. And as a result, humanity is sent away from the garden paradise. Humanity walks away from this place of harmonious relationship with God also known as home. And so throughout, as the story unfolds, throughout throughout the Old Testament, the people of God are constantly trying to find home. They're constantly trying to find a place where they can belong, a place where they are free, a place where they can live in harmony with God and with each other. But time and time again, they find themselves slaves. They find themselves slaves to another empire, exiled in another land, Subject to another kingdom where they're not free to be the people of God. And then when Jesus enters the scene, he tells a story about a son who leaves the home of his father. Who rejects his father and leaves home. It's a familiar story for some of us. Only when when the son comes to his senses and returns home, he sees that His father has been watching and waiting and longing and hoping for his son's return. And he welcomes him with open arms and he welcomes him with a kiss. And he brings him home into the family. That's the story, the image of God that Jesus gives us. And as Jesus completes his work here on earth in the Easter weekend, the weekend that changes the world forever we see that the tragedy of Eden is undone, that sin is forgiven, and death is defeated, and relationship is reconciled, and so we can experience home. There is a glimpse of home that comes to earth. There is a taste of home that begins to break out on earth. And then the end of the story that we look forward to, that's prophesied in Revelation, is of a joyful reunion. It's Revelation 21, verse 2 and 3. It says, I saw the holy city, 
the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and they and be their God. It says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. Do you know another word for a dwelling? It's home. That's the end of the story. That's the, the end of the story that we look forward to. This story of scripture that is all, in many ways, all about home, about a humanity that left home but has been looking for a way to come back. And that way was made possible by the death and the resurrection of Jesus when he overcame sin and death and made reconciliation with God possible. And we look forward to a day when God's dwelling will fully be with his people and they will dwell with him and he will be our God. When we will be fully home because home is found in relationship with God. When we talk about welcoming people home to God, that's what we're talking about. Welcoming people home into relationship with God. Because it's from there that harmony and peace and wholeness flows. As we are reunited with the God who created us and loves us and made a way for us to come home. That's where peace and harmony and wholeness comes. And it's not all at once. You know, when we come home to God, there is instant change that happens. And then we start a journey of continuing to follow him and experiencing more of his wholeness, more of his freedom, more of his peace and harmony in our lives. And that journey includes us putting some work in, includes things like forgiveness and repentance, reconciliation and surrender. But it's a journey towards the fullness of home because home is found in relationship with God it's what we were created for it's the beginning of our story and it's the journey we were all born to take back to God home to God reconciled into relationship with God and so today we're um, we're going to relaunch our home board because as part of our mission to welcome people home to God, as, as Matt said today, the mission starts with prayer. And it ends with prayer. It's prayer all the way through. It's prayer that underpins everything that we do. And so we want to commit again this year to praying for the names of specific people that we want to come home to God. And if you've, you, you might be able to see that on the board, we've got the names of five people on four cards who responded to Jesus last year as we were beginning to pray for them. And some of those have also uh, become part of this church and are f continuing to follow Jesus. And um, the, the other names we've taken down for now, we've got them safe. But we want to launch it again today. It's open for business again today. We want to go again today. Even the people that we weren't we couldn't necessarily flip over to say they've come home in some way. I know I've seen people here uh, whose names were on there that we haven't seen for years in the last year. And so we're excited to launch this again today. 
And so any, from today, any Sunday, if there is someone that you want to commit to, praying for them to come home to God, then we want to invite you to write their name on the board using the small cards on the white side. And we just ask that you write the name uh, really clearly. Um, that it's a specific name. It doesn't have to be a surname, but just so we know who we're praying for. We'd also ask that if you're going to put a name up there and ask other people to pray, that you commit as well to praying for that person. And we'd ask that um, the parents, you supervise children with this. I think we possibly had a few pets on there last year. We definitely had a lot of mummies, daddies, grannies, which is amazing. We're praying for them too. Um, but just parents, please supervise your children and get on board with supporting your children in this. So the home board is open again for business as we seek to be a family on mission that welcomes people home to God. And I wonder this time next year, I wonder who else's lives will have been transformed as we commit in prayer. Who else will experience that coming home to the God who loves them, created them, and is waiting with his arms open wide? I'd just love to pray for us. Father, we thank you that you are a God with open arms. God, that you are longing for people to come home to you. That you made the way. That you guide our steps. Father, I thank you for these people who responded to you, who became part of our church, are growing in their faith in the last year. God, I pray that in this coming year, we would see many more. We will see many more welcomed home to you. God, help us to play our part. I thank you that we have a part to play, but that this is, this is all on you. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you found this podcast inspiring and helpful, then we'd love for you to gain touch via at lifelanks on social media or our website lifelanks.org Life Church impacting our neighbours our nation and the nations with the good news about Jesus